Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Kenny Albert. You're listening to the Broadway Hat Podcast with your host, Kyle Hall, the number one podcast for all things Rangers hockey. Welcome back to the Broadway Hat Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Hall. And last night, a rough loss at the Garden for the New York Rangers, who put up 51 shots on that. But, man, what a performance from Hellebuck there in the, in the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, former Vezina Trophy winner showed why he's one of the best goalies in the league, making 50 saves, and the Rangers just could not put one by. Well, they put one by him, but, I mean, guy made some incredible saves. I think he robbed Chris Kreider three or four times. Trocek, I mean, he had the post maybe two or three times, too. Seemed, you know, a guy leads the league in post hit. Uh, but just a rough loss. I think it's the second time they've lost to Winnipeg now. Four to one in the, this season. Igor. Led a couple soft ones, but no matter what, I mean, Hell Buxers outplayed everyone tonight. Was the best player on the ice, and uh, man, he yeah, he was good. And he breaks the Rangers' uh, ten-game point streak, and uh, the Rangers lost their seven-game win streak uh, against Calgary in their last game. So Rangers after winning seven in a row now on a little two-game mini losing streak. Uh, but hey, they've been red hot lately. They've been great. The Western Canada swing after the, the big win in Carolina. You go and get a nice win out in Vancouver, and then just an absolutely incredible comeback from uh, comeback from behind win, four to one down the first period, the comeback all the way, win five to four in OT in a shootout, incredible comeback there for the Rangers. It was unreal, unreal. Uh, I loved the Rangers swear that night, late night, everyone's staying up yelling about the win. It was crazy. It was awesome. And then you go to Calgary, you fall behind two nothing, you battle back there. 2 nothing in the first minute. Battle back, get the game to OT, get the point there, and then you come home, unfortunately, and Hellebuck plays a great game. But, hey, listen, New York Rangers are for real, and they made another another move to make sure that the league knew that this team is here, and Chris Jury went out. Listen to all New York Ranger fans who have been yelling for it since the offseason that they want him back. He goes back and reacquires Tyler Mott from the Ottawa Senators. He sends back Julian Gauthier in a seventh, conditional seventh-round pick. Rangers fans want to mop back. Didn't really work out with the cap in the summer, but they make the move now. They make get him back, which is great. I think it's a great move for the Rangers. It really helps that fourth line, which has been struggling. But, and listen, a lot of people give Julian Gauthier a lot of crap. Personally, I like the guy. Um, you know, I always thought that he could deliver more than some Rangers fans did. I thought maybe he needed a little more of a chance with more of a scoring line than a fourth line. 
But I want to wish him all the luck there in Ottawa, and hopefully he gets some more playing time there on a team, a younger team possibly, uh, where he can maybe move up in the lineup or kind of figure out his game there. But uh, right now, Tyler Mott helps his team win a championship more than Julian Gauthier. Personally, that's what I think. So I think it's a great move for the Rangers for what they gave up. Last year, they gave up a fourth-round pick for him to Vancouver. This year, it's Julian Gauthier, who I think has a little bit more value than a fourth-round pick. So, you know, they gave up a little bit more this year than they did last year. But all in all, great move for Chris Drury, who's been knocking out the park. Tarasenko's been very good for the Rangers so far. I like the Mikola guy. He's been Mikola, whatever you pronounce his name. I think he's been good back there in defense. I think he's filled in nicely. After that rough first game, I think he's really settled down. And, uh, you know, I think Chris Drury. And then <clears throat> there's another move to make here. There's one more move to make. If it is it Patrick Kane? Is it, you know, uh, another fourth-flying guy? Is it Tanner Janot, who personally I want to get from Nashville, who right now he's either going to sign an extension or get traded? And the Rangers, I think, are just kind of holding to see what happens there. Uh, but they, they're going to have a little bit of cap space. I know Puckpedia came out and kind of gave, like, how the Rangers can still get Patrick Kane to kind of keep that dream alive for some Ranger fans and, and for Patrick Kane, who clearly has come out and said basically he wanted to go to the Rangers. So there is still an avenue possibly there for him to come to New York, which would be a ridiculous top six. And then Jimmy VC drop down to your fourth line and be a dominant fourth line. Or Tanner Janot comes in, who I think can make the fourth line fantastic. Probably be the best fourth line in hockey. And then you leave um, Jimmy VC up there on the top six where he's played well. He's been fine up there. He gives a little bit of defensive help up there, too, as well, which Gerard Glott has said he likes that in the top six, a little bit of defensive help. All in all, this team is for real. I am so excited about this team. It's the best, most complete lineup they've had since 2015, where if I will go to my grave thinking if Zuccarello does not get hurt and knocked out of those playoffs, they win the Stanley Cup. I will always believe that. I will always believe that they win the Cup that year if he doesn't go out hurt. But this team, top to bottom, is built so well. And it's, I mean, Ranger fans, you need to be ecstatic. This is the, this team, it looks so good right now. I know it was a rough loss Monday night at the Garden, but still, I saw on the, um, I forget what website it is, but they have with the deserve a win meter. And the Rangers win that game 73% of the time. They just ran to a hot goalie. And this team is great. And right now, that comeback win. In Edmonton, the comeback from behind in Calgary to get the point there and get the overtime. That team last year that had that no-quit in New York, obviously it was a marketing ploy, but it really was. The team had no-quit in New York. They're showing that again this year. They're showing it again now. They, you didn't see that until that Jacob Truba helmet tossing in December where they turned the whole season around. Who would have known that whole blow-up would have turned this whole team around? But since then, this team has had that no-quit attitude again. They're st- they never believe they're out of a game. As a fan, even when they lose, they're full behind tonight. Was it two nothing? I'm like in the first period. I'm sitting here. I'm sitting there last night thinking, okay, two they get the next one. They'll be back. You know they can come back in this game. Some fan. I mean, there's years that they, Rangers fall behind two nothing. The game's over. There's no. They're not winning the game. But there's a lot of belief in this team. There's a lot of belief in this fan base, and I love it. I I think Ranger fans should be geared up for a nice run. Right now, they're in a collision course with the New Jersey Devils for a first-round Battle of the Hudson, Battle Royale, as the Devils sit just four points ahead of them in the standings. Rangers trail Carolina by, was it seven points now, I believe, after uh, tonight? Yeah, seven points after tonight's game. So, I mean, 
I don't think they're catching Carolina. I don't think New Jersey's catching Carolina. I think the Rangers and Devils are going to be the first-round matchup. And, boy, would I love to see them jump the Devils to get home ice. Even though the Rangers fans pack out Prudential Center, it's nice to have home ice in that first round. We saw last year at Pittsburgh in that game seven, how it was nice to play on home ice there. So hopefully the Rangers can get there, catch New Jersey, get home ice, because that series is going to be crazy. It's going to be great for the Tri-State area. It's going to be great for the rivalry. I That's going to be a very cool series. First time in a very long time the Rangers and Devils have played a big series like that. And then, I mean, the Metro is just, you know, another big Metro story as uh, Barzal is now out for the Islanders indefinitely. So who knows what goes on there. They just make the big move. The Bing and Horvat and the Devils and the Islanders have been hot. They're 6 2 and 2 in the last 10 games. And, uh, you know, then they're sitting in that fourth playoff, in the fourth seed in the playoff. And who knows how long Barzal's going to how long they can weather that storm. So we'll see. We'll see if Bars, if the, how big, you know, the Islanders can get through that. Uh, you know, right below them is Washington. There's a point back. Ovechkin's been out with his father's death. He's now back stateside, I believe, to play this week. So um, they'll get another boost, kicking, you know, a little boost from Ovechkin being back. And then the Penguins are right behind them. They got Tristan Jari coming back now. He made his season. He made his uh, came back to the lineup on Monday night too against the Isles. So teams are getting reinforcements. The Rangers are making moves. You know, it's gonna come down to I think the Devils are gonna get Timo Meyer. He seems to be ticketed there. Carolina is definitely gonna get some kind of an upgrade from somewhere. They've been kind of uh, apparently tied to Patrick Kane as well. So we'll see. It seems like this division, obviously Metro's been the best division in hockey all season long. These teams are really built well. I mean, they're really deep teams up and down this entire uh, division. So it's going to be a dogfight to get out of it. Whoever plays in that conference finals that the Rangers did last year is going to have, have to go through a war to get there. And, uh, you know, as we saw, the Rangers really tire them out for the Tampa series. But there's a lot of belief in this Rangers team. you got to be so excited for how they're going. And uh, this week, we got a great guest joining us, Brennan Kotick, who is the head coach of the South Carolina Stingrays, who are the East Coast affiliate of the Washington Capitals. He also spent time in the Rangers organization as well out of college. Uh, just an insane story of how he made it to pro hockey. He uh, played, you know, didn't make his, didn't get invited to try out or didn't make his uh, WHL team, his hometown team. Went the route of the uh, SJHL and then also the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. Worked on his game there. Didn't go D1 college, went D3 initially, worked his butt off D3, walked on D1 at Minnesota Duluth, worked his way there. I believe he earned a scholarship while he was there and, uh, you know, earned playing time. From there, earned a contract as an undrafted free agent with the Rangers. Just an incredible story. Absolutely incredible story about his journey through hockey and now as a coach. And, uh, yeah, just it was great to sit down and talk to him. Uh, but before we send to an interview with Brennan, I do want to tell you about our sponsors over at InTheClutch.com. Listen, hockey season's almost in the playoffs. MLB's getting started. NBA's heading towards the playoffs. And Knicks are going to be in the playoffs, it looks like, this year, which is great. Go on InTheClutch.com. Use our code BROADWAY. Save 10% off today. And then also go check out all of our Ranger merch as well. Go check out our It's Not a, it's not a Garden. It's a Jungle Party. Uh, it's a Jungle T-shirt there a la... Chris Kreider last year in the playoffs. Go get that ready for this year's playoffs. Go get your Yankee gear. Go get your Met gear. Get your Knicks stuff. Gear up for the playoffs for them. But when you do so, make sure you use the code BROADWAY only at intheclutch.com. Go get shopping today and make sure you use our code BROADWAY to save 10% off today. 
All right, we're now joined by a very special guest. He played in the Rangers organization, and he is now the head coach of the South Carolina Stingrays, the ECHL uh, affiliate of the Washington Capitals. Vernon Kotick, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad uh, we were able to make something happen here. Yeah, and uh, congratulations. You were just the uh, head coach of the Eastern Conference uh, All-Star, or the Eastern Conference team, the All-Star game there. Uh, so it had to be a pretty cool experience. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, definitely a great honor for our organization. Um, but yeah, I mean, they always say uh, you get too much credit when you're winning and you get too much blame when you're losing. So uh, obviously our guys have won a lot of hockey games for for us and they're, they were the reason that I got there. But definitely a cool honor for sure. Did you have an itch to get out there for the skills comps at all to kind of test them out a little bit? Yeah, I mean, the only thing would have been hard a shot. I mean, you wouldn't want to see me skate around trying to get fast <laughs> skaters. So. <laughs> what, what do you think you're breaking these days on a harder shot? I don't know what I'd be. I, I think I still got a pretty good shot. So I probably high 80s, low, low 90s probably. All right. Anywhere in your triple digits in the playing days or no? Uh, could have been close. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I never really did it when I was playing. So. I watched the obviously NHL just had their skills comp and every year, you know, they hit they add stupid stuff to it every year. But uh, the hardest shot, obviously, that's the one that everyone wants. It's like the slam dunk contest. You know, that's what everyone wants to pay sure. attention to. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, these guys just ring up 100, 102, 103. It's crazy. Yeah. And and the crazier thing is now guys are like willing to block those shots and not, <laughs> not even think twice. So I was going to say, as a, as a former defenseman, I'm sure you've uh, gotten the way of a few uh, yeah. <laughs> nice ones to the point. Sure did. Yeah. Uh, growing up in Saskatchewan, so in uh, actually Regina, uh, who was your favorite team growing up? I've always asked this question. I never really had one. Like my dad and I would watch Hockey Night in Canada, and a lot of it would be Leafs and Canadians. And don't really, neither of those teams really like intrigued me. I just kind of liked hockey. And my favorite team, believe it or not, is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, I didn't have one until, um, they came into the league and for whatever reason, I was really high on Rick Nash. Like I changed my midget AAA number to Rick Nash and actually cool story at, at camp. I actually, he introduced himself to me and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. So, but yeah, I'm not, didn't have a favorite team growing up. Okay, Cause you guys like right in the middle of what is it, Winnipeg and Calgary, right? That's the two major cities between you. Yeah. Winnipeg's five and Calgary is about eight. Yeah. So not, not the easiest to get to a game either way. No. <laughs> so is there a game like in that market like is there a team that's always on that market or always just like you get the hockey night in canada that's it yeah it was pretty much just hockey night in canada yeah. now they got bedard can you know bedard tv now there every night you know kind of i know I'm, I'm a little <laughs> upset i won't be able to actually see him it's kind of cool what he's doing obviously saw, uh so who do you sell at the saddle dome the other night like he's selling yeah. out like major major venues Two two tickets, I think, were like thirty eight hundred Canadian or something, just insane. But he's supposed to be the real deal. That's crazy. It's absolutely. I had um, uh, Rod Peterson on the show, who does a big show there, and he's yeah. like, he's like, he told me last year, or maybe it was the year before that, he's like, yeah, this is a kid coming along, as a sixteen year old, he's a freak, like he's so good. I'm like, oh, it's all cool. I yeah. heard the name then, and like all of a sudden, like it's grown since then. Now it's like. Kids, I mean, Ranger fans had Alexis Lafreniere when he was kind of like the next, like, you know, coming. Yeah. And this kid seems like he's got much more height than he had coming out. Yeah, for sure. But he's small, though, right? He's like 5'8". Like, he's not a, yeah, he's not very not a big, big guy. I, I always wonder how he's those guys will kind of do at the next level. But 
a lot of guys that I thought are too small have, have gone on to it's kind of like their mentality, right? Like they just prove people wrong that everybody says they're too small and they just find a way. So. And I got to ask you about your junior career. Now I saw some pictures of you. I think it was the SJHL or maybe it was the Manitoba. You had some flow work in there. Yeah, any, I did. Are we bringing that back anytime soon? <laughs> no, I, I wish it was because my hairline is kind of thinning and receding. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things where I just kind of grew it. And I thought the hockey hair was the thing to do. And I didn't actually realize how long it truly had gotten. But like it was down probably to like here. I really didn't know it was that bad. And um, But yeah, it was a little phase that I went through and I liked it, but um, yeah, now anything that's like around my ears, I have to get a haircut. So kind of two, two different tales there. That's usually a big indication to me or like my wife will see like my hair stand up in the morning. So you gotta get a haircut. Like, yeah. Know, like, you know, <laughs> uh, like COVID was difficult. No haircut. I, and I hate having like hair touch my ear and that. Like I hate that. So COVID was, that was a wake up call for me. Like, Oh man, either I got cut my own hair or we got really drag this thing out for a little bit. Yeah. What'd you do? I dragged it out. I, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't trust myself or my wife with scissors around my head. So for sure. <laughs> uh, it's so thought your, your junior career. So you, you didn't play in the WHL. You went the college route. How did that all play out there? Yeah. So, I mean, growing up right in town uh, with a team, the WHL, like it was all, all I ever wanted to do was play for their Gina Pats. Uh, we actually billeted two guys. Uh, one was Jeff Feniak. He was a D-man when they had the Memorial Cup. And then another, Britt Doherty, he was their fighter. Uh, so we billeted those guys. So it just kind of, I wanted to be WHL. So nothing really happened. My 17-year-old year with the Regina Pack Canadians, I got listed by the Prince George Cougars, uh, the Western Hockey League. Went out there for camp in the fall and so they were getting ready to go to a USA tournament and they were kind of calling everybody in and camp was done. And they're like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to send you back to Humboldt. Like we're not a hundred percent sure on you and we don't want to risk your college eligibility. And at the time I was kind of like, well, like what's college? Like what, <laughs> what do you mean? Kind of. And uh, so I went back to Humboldt um, that year, ended up breaking my collarbone mid mid-season and then I went back my 19 year old year um started out well I went from D to forward had four goals I think in eight games to start the year got traded to Dauphin uh played my first three games at forward um didn't get any points and then there was an injury on D and the coach called me and he's like hey you used to play D right I'm like yeah he's like okay we're gonna put you on D for the night I'm like okay I think I ended up having like a goal and two assists or something from the back end. He called me in the next day. He's like, Hey, we're not, we're not going to move you back to forward. You're going to be a D man. I'm like, okay. Um, and ended up doing really well um, in that league and Dauphin there. So yeah, you're the top defenseman and first team all-star. So it, it was a pretty good switch for you. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It worked out. So. <laughs> uh, but then from there, I mean, obviously, like I just said, you, you were one of the top defensemen, obviously in that league. Uh, but you ended up going D3 at first. So what was that college process like that you ended up having to go D3? Yeah, so I ended up taking – I was getting calls, uh, Division three mostly. Um, and then I started to get, like, not lower-end schools, but, like, some uh, Atlantic hockey schools 
that were reaching out. Uh, actually, AIC was very interested. I took my SATs, all that, and it sounded like they were going to give me a scholarship and then um, found out I couldn't get through to the clearinghouse. Uh, my grades from, I believe, high school and like SAT scores weren't as high. Um, so I couldn't go division one, um, and ended up at the end of the year, I was really talking to St. Scholastica, the team that I ended up going to, but Adrian, uh, Bulldogs were also another team that was really interested. So they called me right after our season and I was just like, I wasn't frustrated, but I like kind of wanted putting a little stress on me. So I just said, yeah, I'll, I'll commit, I'll commit. Um, so I committed to Adrian and then ended up going through the process and the RBC cup was in Humboldt. So Scholastica, the first team that ever talked to me, the first school was driving through and they're like, Hey, like, we just want to chat with you, like nothing. And I was like, okay. And just like had another conversation with them and like, didn't know anything about Duluth. Um, but after the conversation I had called and obviously decommitted from Adrian, which I obviously don't like going against my word. And apologize to the coach um, a couple of years later about going back on my word. Uh, but yeah, I went to Scholastica and um, had a really good, good year there. Um, the thing I liked the best was like, he didn't, I wasn't handed anything off the start. I came in as a freshman and had to earn my ice time and things worked out and happened to know uh, I was working with the skating coach uh, for St. Scholastica, but she was more, um, with the UMD Bulldogs at the time. So she had ended up uh, just mentioning my name at, at UMD. And one of the assistant coaches, Jason Herter, who's from Saskatchewan, uh, said he had saw me play before, but I wasn't wasn't a good skater at all. And she's like, no, he's been working on it. Um, gotten a lot better. And so he came to one of our playoff games and ended up playing well again. And we had... I ended up giving him a call and just kind of seeing like what was going on. Um, if there was an opportunity and they invited me to the, to the rink and showed me around brand new Amsoil arena um, and said, yeah, like we can't offer you any scholarship. You have to redshirt a year and we can't guarantee you any playing time like the years after. And I left. I was like, okay, I'll think about it. I called my mom right after and told her I was going to do it. Like I, I wanted the opportunity and um, yeah, it was um, ended up working out really well, but um, definitely a long, interesting road to get there. Yeah. I mean, one of the best D1 programs in the country. I mean, they're a powerhouse now every year they're contending for national championships. I mean, yeah, um, pretty crazy to go from your hometown team and WHL kind of like overlooking you at a D3 to now you're, end up at this powerhouse D1 program. I mean, yeah, that's a pretty crazy path. Yeah, it was interesting for sure. And um, there was a guy who was supposed to come in my, so my redshirt year is my freshman year. So my sophomore year would have been my first eligible year to play. There was a guy that was supposed to come in. It was supposed to be a big stud D-man. But I think kind of a similar thing happened with the clearinghouse. And he ended up going the WHL route, which opened a roster spot for me. And um, yeah, it, it worked out well. I played almost every game, I think my sophomore year. Um, and then had an off summer a little bit, came in uh, not in the best. I didn't test really well at all at camp. 
and then was kind of in and out and got hurt early uh, my junior year. And then after Christmas, I ended up getting my spot back, stayed in. And then my senior year, uh, I think played almost every game minus two for injuries. And then got to be paired with, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Neil Pionk. He was mm-hmm. my partner my senior year. So uh, I always like to joke with Neil still to this day that I helped him get the, get his NHL contract, but he, uh, he likes to disagree with that. So <laughs> he was the name I was going to bring up next year. Cause obviously I loved him. I was upset when the Rangers got rid of him. He was a guy that when he first came to the Rangers and he kind of like, you know, you just sit back and go, like, oh, like, who the hell is this? Like, I, you never, he, you know, under at the free agent, like, okay, like, yeah. who's this guy? And I looked him up and I remember, I will remember watching the highlights because you guys went to the national championship that year. Yeah. And I was like, I remember watching this guy during the national championship game. And I was like, wow, okay. Like, I think they have a player here. And sure enough, he comes in. I think he only played a little bit in Hartford. And then he came right up to the Rangers and he was yeah. an instant success. And obviously he's playing great in Winnipeg now. Um, but yeah, he's a guy that I was like, oh man, like, you know, when you get in on a guy early and you know, I liked him before everyone else liked him, like he's yeah. the, he's one of those guys that I'm like, I, I was on the Pionk train before anyone else was for sure. He, uh, he, he plays like he's six, five. I mean, he's five <laughs> ten. he blocks shots. He moves, he, he does everything really well and comes from a really great family. And I think he's got four other brothers who like I, I obviously became close with the family just helping his dad in the summers for camps and um whatnot and we actually had his brother um so his, his second youngest so right under neil nate we had him in south carolina last year playing for us so it was kind of cool in that regard um but yeah he's a he's a special player and really great person yeah, you like the first guy, like, you know, in the locker room there in Duluth, like, hey, you know, if you're looking for a landing spot, come to South Carolina, I'll take care of you. Yeah. It's, a, it's a nice little, uh, you know, nice little place to go check out some good talented players. For sure. <laughs> uh, and I mean, yeah, while you're there, I mean, NHL talent, crazy NHL talent on that team. You know, when you were there, uh, Andy Walensky with the Rangers now yeah. uh, playing at Hartford, he was there with you. Alex Afala, who I follow, who is a, one of the top. I think if the USA had a uh, you know Olympic team this year, he would have been a a guy who could have been fought you know been fighting for a spot there. He's playing great for the Kings. Uh, Su- uh, Source Susie is out Susie. there in Seattle. I mean, yeah, uh, a ton of guys. Joey Anderson up with the Leafs, another guy who I watched him the junior rinks and everything. So yeah, uh, just a ton of talent there. Yeah, it was uh, we had a really good team, and I think the national championship game um, between us and Denver, I think the amount of guys that actually played NHL games was insane. And then uh, we actually played North Dakota for the NCHC championship. And that was like a team that had Besser and Jost. Like it was, uh, there were some really good players that we had faced that year. And it was just us in Denver uh, one and two all year, like just changing um, back and forth, split the season series our kind of thing was we were always one of those teams that we found a way to come back. Like we would get behind and we would like the last couple minutes, um, kind of similar thing that happened in that game, uh, got down and we were pressing there, but we just ran out of time. And actually I signed a Jared Lukasavich who was on Denver and scored three goals against us. I signed him this summer for our team here. So I, uh, had to bring it up, but I don't like bringing it up too much because they ended up beating (laughs) us, but. He's asking why he's on the first power play when he gets in there. It's like, hey, yeah. uh <laughs> <Pretty> much, yeah. 
<laughs> showing him a couple dollars off the top, like, hey, you know, no, yeah. no. a little hard negotiation yeah. with him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that national championship game, that was at United Center, too. How cool was yeah. that experience? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, was able, my mom was there, uh, which was really special for me. But yeah, we we had a big game against Harvard and then got into the game and like to skate out, like obviously the kid, right? Like it's all, any kid that plays hockey wants to play in the NHL. So like, obviously at that point, like had been to a couple development camps, but that was really where it was like, felt like you were playing in the NHL. You come out and like warm ups, it's already crowded. There's 22,000 people there. Like it was, it was a really cool experience. And do they do like the Blackhawks style anthem where people uh, scream along to it or no? I don't remember, honestly. I don't remember that. Uh, so, yeah. So, from there, obviously, you know, you guys unfortunately lose the game, like you said, but uh, you graduate from there and then you're an undrafted free agent. So, walk me through that process. When did you start talking to teams and how that all play out for you? Yeah. Um, I didn't really talk to too many. I had an agent uh, at the time based out of Chicago um with acme sports i think they're i forget what they switched their name to but actually it's the same agency as peonk has um he was just kind of telling me there was teams interested and you know i trusted him and just kind of let him um not pick but like kind of steer me in the right direction of where the depth was and all that stuff and it's just like I don't know. You sign out of college, right? And like being an AHL contract, I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm going to be in the AHL. Like it's not, you get to camp and then you realize like there's other guys from college, there's guys from junior hockey, there's guys from Europe, like all stuff that factored in. I think there was like 19, 20 D at camp. And I'm like trying to do all the math in my head. I'm like, Oh, like these guys will be here. I'll like Hartford and um, all that stuff. But um, yeah, so I ended up signing in Hartford and went to development camp and then was able to go to prospects camp in Traverse City which was a really cool experience um again got to put the ranger jersey on which is obviously iconic and just a preseason like not even preseason game but like just to be able to do that and then went to Maine camp um got sent down to Hartford I think I played a game or two exhibition wise and then got sent down to greenville south carolina and didn't really know much about the echl um but ended up having a really good time there uh had some good teammates and then i think when neil got called up i went up for neil like so i got called up to hartford um i think it would have been a little sooner i had a broken toe at the time i blocked a shot in uh I remember it was two games before Christmas in Atlanta and I, cause we're always in that rink now we play them all the time. So I can always remember <laughs> situation and um, yeah, they called me up. I think it was right after Christmas, but I was had that broken toe still. So I think it was like a month or so after. And um, yeah, Neil's like, Hey, uh, just, like I got called up and I was like, Oh, awesome. And then my, my phone rings and it was hard for calling me up. So again, it was, um, and then I got up to Hartford and it was just a cool experience. Like I was, you know, fortunate enough to looking back on it, I only played seven games, but I was fortunate enough to, to score a goal in the American hockey league. And, um, it was a really interesting one, obviously is from, yeah, let's talk about that goal real quick. <laughs> I still really don't know to this day how that went in. I think I, I forget who it was on. I think it was like, a 
he was a, at the time he was a pretty big like prospect for boss or Buffalo and Rochester and got the puck off the draw and just skated it to the red line and tried to like go cross a cross corner dump and ended up like saucing it. And it just went over his, what I think was his blocker side top shelf. And I just kind of like was standing there and everybody was like, we didn't really know what to do. And it was just like a, so it, it was a special moment. Obviously I have that plaque back home and in Canada. So it's definitely yeah. one of the more unique first goals I would say from, uh, from anybody. Yeah. yeah. I don't like how you guys say, listen, I took the shot on net because it did go top shelf. Like, you know, yeah, it, mean, looked, it looked like he aimed right for it. Yeah. Well, I'd love to say that. I was, I was always one of those guys that said, uh, I scored a goal like along the ice or something like, Oh, I was trying to go top shelf. So I was pretty <laughs> honest with it. So, <laughs> uh, who signed with the Rangers first? Was it you or did Neil sign first? Which one do you guys signed first? Uh, I want to say it was Neil. Neil oh, signed first. Yeah. I was going to say they, they came out, oh, you know, it's a two for one deal. They brought him along with you. you know? I know. I wish, I wish, but no, he's, he signed right after. Was there a part of you in training camp where you're counting guys up? You're like, Oh, he's now my direct competition. Neil. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, to a certain degree, like wasn't delusional by any means. Like I knew Neil was a special player and like, we weren't even in the same category. It was just like for me to be paired with him in college, it was because I was the safety valve back there and let him like, and again, the, the crazy thing is like, everybody thinks he was offensive, but like he was very good defensively. Um, but I was just paired with him, um, obviously to let him kind of, use his offensive instincts in college and be back there. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, we were going against each other, but he was in a completely different class than I was. Uh, now, what other rookie camps did you do before that? What development camps did you do? What other teams? Um, after my red shirt year, I went to Chicago. Uh, after my sophomore year, I went San Jose. Didn't do anything junior year and then senior year Rangers. Um, now you get the training camp with the Rangers. He's obviously you said the Rick Nash, you know, introduced himself. Any, any other crazy stories in that training camp? Anything else? Like, was there a welcome to the NHL moment for you? No, I mean, I was just really trying to take it all in. Honestly, it was, um, it was really special to be able to do that and just kind of see like some of the guys like Kreider and Zabinajad. I think it was right after Zabinajad had signed his, his new deal and just like, being in Madison square garden and like their practice facility, everything was top notch and just first class organization. Um, and, and like you said that Traverse city, like so many guys have had on the show playing Traverse city, like the first time they see their name, like on an NHL Jersey. Yeah. How cool was that? Yeah, it was, it was awesome. I mean, I remember, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. Um, and the, the number they gave me at camp was 87 too. So like the guys that I was, the younger guys that were like there, we're always joking like Crosby and like, <laughs> the furthest thing from that. So, but like, yeah, I remember there's actually a picture. Neil's mom was at the game in Traverse city and we were like paired up together. So um, off the fa opening face off, you can see like me there with Neil. So it's kind of a cool moment for sure. That's very cool. That's very cool. Yeah. He said, hey, listen, that's a pretty good number to have. That's a, that's a goal scorers number for sure. <laughs> they knew it. They knew it from that from then that you shoot in from the blue line in Hartford a couple of months yeah. later. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, in that year in Hartford, obviously, you know, you played the, the back end of that year, but uh, from a defense, like, what was the biggest adjustment for you going from college to pro hockey? 
speed was definitely an adjustment always for me, um, especially going division three, division one, and then pro. Um, but you get like your feet under you. Uh, I think it was just a skill set, like practicing with those guys. And even now, like coaching, I've been, been at some, like I've been at Washington's development camp and Hershey and just seeing like how skilled those guys are. It's really, you can't even like, you see everything on the highlights, right? Like about the plays that some of these guys make, but when you're there and like watching them every day, it's just a whole nother, like the skill set's the biggest thing for me. Who is, uh, was there a guy that stands out to you from like, I think you were in Detroit camp too, right? The training camp with them as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. Is there like a guy that like either Rangers or anywhere you played, like, is there a guy who stands out to you? Like, like an, Oh wow. Guy like that guy's unreal. No, I honestly, there wasn't like <laughs> a one, one that I was just like mesmerized by. No, uh, no, they were all, <laughs> they're all good. Yeah, they're all, they were all good. Um, I, I, again, I think it was more of me just being like, I'm happy to be there kind of thing. and <laughs> Just taking it in. Were you ever out there with Lundquist during your sessions at all or no? I, I don't think I was. No, no, he didn't yell at you in Swedish or anything to get out of the way. He's big on no. yelling at the big defensive and get out of the way. So he doesn't get a screen or anything. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't against him. <laughs> uh, yeah. In Detroit, any, anything stick out from the Detroit camp? Obviously that's a, another storied franchise, pretty two, you know, two original six teams there. Yeah, that was a cool moment. Um, I actually, I thought I completely forgot about Detroit, honestly. Um, <laughs> not like in a way I just, um, but yeah, so they did their camp in Traverse, which was cool. And then we went back to their brand new rink and we were able to do like practices and whatnot. The facility there is great. Um, but I actually dressed uh, for warmups for one of the exhibition games. I and mean, it was against like, I think it was Chicago. I think Patty Kane and uh, Jonathan Taves were playing in that game. So they were on the other side for warmup. So that was, yeah, I mean, I can't believe I forgot that, but that was a special moment too. And again, it's, is what it is. It might seem crazy to some people. That's one of my favorite moments, but at the end of the day, like I was just proud of myself or getting to where I was and especially from where I came from. So definitely an honor for me, for sure. How was that like the best one of your life? Are you trying to just rip clappers the entire time, go top shelf on the goalies warming up, trying to show, was just show some skill off. <laughs> yeah. I was just making sure I wasn't uh, falling over on my turns <laughs> or anything like that, but uh, so you made the transition out of coaching the coaching side. Now, what led to that decision to hang up the, uh, the player side of it and start coaching? Yeah. So I'd always been kind of interested in it and then, uh, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Like I was interested in like medical sales maybe, or firefighting. Uh, I knew coaching. I thought like, again, I, you talk to people who try to get into coaching now and like even some big names, like it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Like I kind of just thought I'd be able to jump out and jump into coaching. Um, ended up like interviewing for a USHL job. Uh, I think I was the runner up as the assistant be lost to uh, a former guy who actually is at UMD right now. Um, Chup. Uh, he was, I think he was in tri city and then he ended up going to Muskegon for a year or two. Um, but then I got a job in the NA with Stu Bickle. Um, Former guest, great guy. Awesome guy. Um, couldn't get a visa. So then I go to my old school, St. Scholastica and their coach, they got a new coach. So I interviewed with the new coach. He wanted to hire me again, same thing. Couldn't get a visa. So 
now that I've been in the U.S. for 10 years, like I want to be a U.S. citizen. And every immigration lawyer that I talked to said it was best to like stay in good graces with the U.S. So I went back to Canada uh, at the end of August, was sitting at home and like contemplating what to do. Like Toledo said they were going to pass on me because I wasn't like I didn't really keep them in the loop in the summer. So they signed other guys and Europe really wasn't happening because it was still COVID. So I'm just sitting at home, like I'm still working out and just kind of thinking what's going on next. So a guy that I work hockey camps with, uh, his name's Brett Olson. He's the assistant in Waterloo now uh, in the USHL. And he and his wife, I think at the time, or fiance, weren't going to go back to Europe. So they were looking to stay in North America. And he was calling like some coast teams to kind of see where it would be the best fit and where he could get the most money, obviously being a veteran guy and good player, he'd be a really good player in this league. Um, he had called South Carolina and Ryan Blair, the head coach at the time uh, said they hadn't had an assist or they don't have an assistant. So right after he got off the phone, he called me and I'm sitting in Canada, like sitting at home in Canada. I'm like, well, why is Oli calling me right now? Like it's not close to his summer camp or anything. And he calls and he's like, Hey, you still like looking for a job? I'm like, yeah, for sure. And he's like, well, I just talked to South Carolina. Here's the number. He said to give you, give him a call. I'm like, okay. So I gave him a call. We had a really good talk. Uh, and then the next day, the president, Rob Kincannon, called me, um, just kind of asked me a few questions. It was kind of simple. And then the day after, they had offered me the job. And, like, I did, really didn't know, again, didn't really know anything about Charleston, didn't, like, look it up, um, didn't ask how much I was getting paid. I was just, one, happy to be coaching, and, two, like, just jump, like, not jump right in, but, like, obviously – going from playing to coaching and pro. And then it was like, then I realized that I was like in Charleston, one of the best cities in the USA. Um, the coaching tree that's been here, like it's crazy. Uh, yeah. Like I've been fortunate enough to get to know, um, like it's up, like even up here, like Warsawski, Jason Fitzsimmons, who's a scout with Washington, Bednar Carberry, and then Kale McLean, who's with Calgary now, like, and I've been able to be in contact with those guys and they've helped me so much. Like Carberry has been unbelievable with me. Um, any question I have like power play, he's, he's been my go-to guy for sure with it. And like, I got hired and the first question I asked her, like, are you aware that the last uh, Stingrays coach from Saskatchewan uh, just won a Stanley cup? Like those are pretty big shoes to fill. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever fill those shoes, but like, it's it's just cool. Like knowing that he was from Sask and kind of like, he's got a, Bedsy has a very like great path too. started in the East coast, won a championship, went up to the AHL, won a championship. And then obviously last year winning a Stanley cup, like just the coaching tree and network that's here in the city. And I mean, I couldn't be happier to be in the role uh, that I'm in right now. And with, with the people around me that are making the team uh, have so, so much success. So, yeah, something about that role that, you know, that everyone who's come out of that job seems like they go up and do great things. So yeah. uh, obviously let's hope that continues there for you. For sure. That'd be awesome. Uh, now, you know, you're only a couple of years in, obviously into your coaching career, now you're head coach. And um, have you like, has there anything that you've taken from other coaches along the way that you incorporate into your game or into your coaching style? Or is it something that you've created on your own and you kind of do your own thing? Um, A little bit of both, honestly, like I'll, uh, you know, I'll always pick coaches brains on kind of what they do. And um, 
kind of things that have worked and haven't worked for them. At the end of the day, the message that I've mostly gotten from a lot of coaches, you, you have to be yourself. You can't try and emulate somebody or something that you're not because the players are going to see right through that right away. So I just try and um, I pride myself on trying to be a good leader and um, that just show up every day with the, the same work ethic and same energy and obviously put di a little different spin on uh, other stuff. And I think me kind of being fresh out of playing too, I em empathize with the players a little bit in terms of like travel or off days or cer certain things like that. So it's been good. I, again, like my third year coach, but first years ahead, like I'm still, still learning on how I, how I am and what kind of coach I'm going to be. And that's kind of the good thing about coaching. It's like when I was playing for so long, I had always learned something new every day. Like with coaching, there's literally something that always comes up where it's like, Oh, like that's something that I can maybe think about. So like there's, I'm always learning and um, yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride for sure. Now, have you gotten up to the Caps camp yet? Have you seen Ovi up close and personal or no? Uh, no, we uh, we went to development camp and then we didn't end up going to uh, main camp. We just kind of thought it'd be a little too congested. We wouldn't be on the ice either. So we had some, especially with, with our job here, like we're the ones that schedule our travel and do all that. So we had to make sure that our training camp and everything was taken care of. So hopefully one day I'll see him at camp. They'll, they'll use you as like, you know, the, the fake block on his slap shot or something in camp. That'll be by uh... all means. I would love to do that. Be an honor. Uh, a couple questions before I let you go here. What's your uh, worst travel story? Worst travel story. Hmm. So it was two years ago, my first year. So as the assistant, I was the one that handled all like booking hotels and um, all the travel. So we were coming in to uh, Wheeling, West Virginia. And we pull into, I forget the name of the hotel, but like we get in really late, like played the night before in uh, Indy, we get in late and like, I was gassed. So I like just turned my phone on or I plugged my phone in and didn't have like the, um, the ringer on and i wake up to like i think it was like six missed calls and 20 text messages from the guys and i've come to find out in the morning that like some of the rooms there's people in them some of the rooms had bed bugs some of the rooms um was only a single bed like there was just like an endless list of stuff and i was like i was just thrown like blown away obviously and then uh we think we were there for three. So we played Friday night. Uh, we won that first night. So then Saturday after the first period, there's like a, like a hole in the ice, like at the end of the one, one side, the ref had noticed it kept delaying, kept delaying. They're like, okay, I think it was like an hour and a half. And they finally called it. They're like, all right, like we'll work on it all through the night. We'll play the game tomorrow. And then it will just push your other game to Monday. We're like, okay. So we get, go home or like go to the hotel, get back Sunday. Now it is three minutes into the game, the complete opposite side, opposite corner is like down to the cement. Like it just instantly down to the cement. So we're like the guy from the ECHL is there. He's like, you can't play on this. And we're like, we're like we need to get back home because we had like, I think we had three, three or four big games coming up to like, we were in a fight for playoffs 
and it was percentage. So it wasn't like, obviously it would have been nice. I think we would have got all would have been six points, but like it was just a crazy trip. And like, I don't think we'll ever go to Wheeling, West Virginia again. That's on the, the no fly zone. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. We'll let the president know we're not we're not doing that again. So <laughs> didn't check the uh the Expedia reviews before you got there on the hotel. No, didn't not at all. I think it was one of the only one uh one of their only hotels in Wheeling. So <laughs> <laughs> not going there again. Have no. that be known. Carolina will not exactly. <laughs> travel in West Virginia ever again. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, they good luck this season. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, oh, you guys are point back at first place now, so it's gonna be a battle there. And Jacksonville's right there too. So I just yeah. had on uh, Nick Luco a couple weeks ago, and he's, right. you know, he uh, he thinks that they have a really good chance to win it all this year. So uh, should be a good battle between you two, uh, yeah. young guys, young guys coming up in the profession. Get you on before your guys become famous in the NHL and win your Stanley Cup, just like uh, Bednar there. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brendan, for joining us. I know he's a super busy guy. Listen, you're a head coach of a hockey team. You got a thousand things going on, so I cannot thank him enough for joining us. It's an incredible story, his journey. And listen, that South Carolina hot coach, there's been some big names that have come through there that have done some great work, you know, winning AHL championships. And how about Jared Bednar just won an AHL championship? He was head coach there too. So uh, great lineage of coaching coming out of there. And hopefully Brennan's the next guy to get that – you know, go through there, get to the American Hockey League, win there, and become an angel health coach eventually. And uh, they're on a great run this year. They're actually battling it out with our guys down there in Jacksonville for first place right now. So want to wish them all the best. Maybe not against our guys in Jacksonville. I want to see some of our uh, guys down there win. But uh, it should be a fun uh, a fun battle between those two down in the same division uh, down there to try to win that Kelly Cup. And uh, I can't thank him enough for coming on the show. And that does it for episode 120 of the Broadway Hat Podcast. 120, nice round number. I like that. Uh, thank you to everyone who's obviously left us a review and subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts. If you have not, please go search us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Every five-star review we do receive, a dollar is donated to Alex's Lemonade Foundation. Uh, we're closing in over on uh, 200 five-star reviews, so please go on there. Leave a review. Help an amazing cause fight pediatric cancer. Subscribe to the show and check that out today. Make sure you can go find the show on Spotify as well and leave us a five-star review and follow the show as well. You can find the show on Google Play, uh, Pandora, Amazon Music, uh, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us there. Make sure you go and follow the show on social media on Instagram and Facebook at The Broadway Hat Podcast. Make sure you find the show on Twitter at The Broadway Hat Pod. Uh, you can find my personal Twitter account at KHallNY for all New York Ranger updates. Also, make sure you go and follow the show on YouTube at the Broadway Hat Podcast. Uh, we post all full-length episodes there, clips from the show, uh, highlights of the guys we've had on the show. So uh, make sure you go check some exclusive content there as well. So make sure you go check out our YouTube page, subscribe on there as well. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.